0: Hey, well, again, Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, At our house, we have a protocol, a usual tradition, which is presents in the morning. But alas, there's church where we all are. So we're making our kids wait till presents afterwards, and they aren't happy about it. So all you parents that are here, way to go. You're awesome. Uh, But let's just jump right into the story this morning. So in the day before Jesus was born... There was a unique political climate gaining steam in in the world around them. All the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes were expectant that something amazing was on the horizon. And that something amazing was going to happen very soon. Soon. And so the world of the Jews at the time was not an easy one as well. The Jews were living in the land God gave them, yet it was not considered their land. They were living in occupied land, and the occupiers were the romans and caesar was the ruler of jerusalem essentially at the time and there were no jewish kings and there were no jewish queens and there was no jewish royalty to be seen nor on the horizon but you see the jews were confident that something new was on the horizon you know the jews had these prophets From hundreds of years earlier, and these prophets prophesied that one day, God was going to send a new Jewish king into the world, and this king would be in the line of David, and the Jews anticipated this. Because when this king, this Messiah, would come, he would establish the sovereignty of Israel for all time. And they believed that one day Israel was going to be a nation again, and this Messiah, this king, would be the king over this nation. And in the time of Jesus, the expectation that the king was coming was at its all-time highest. Now... I want you to imagine something this morning, just for a second. Imagine... That you are a Jewish person living 2,000 years ago, and you are living in Jerusalem. And you're walking past the temple, God's temple, the temple of Yahweh, and you look up, and attached to the temple is something called the Antonia Fortress. It is a fortress built by the Romans to make sure that the Jews stayed at bay. And as you're staring at this fortress, as you're staring at the temple, you hear a voice Start yelling. It happened. It finally happened. The Messiah, the king, is born. And all you can hear as a Jewish person in this moment are the bells of victory. Because with the coming of this king is the coming of freedom. And the question for us this morning is what do you do in a moment like that? you party. Don't you? You party in a moment like that. That's what you do. You celebrate in a moment like that. There are feasts and parties and trees and presents. Christmas is essentially a giant party. Amen? It is a festival. It is a celebration. Have you ever been in one of those moments in your life when something great is on the horizon? It's not here yet, though, and you're waiting for that something great to happen, and you're not quite sure when it's going to come. Do you know how you feel in those moments? There's like, there's this anticipation. There is It's like an anxiety deep within us. Have you been in a moment like that? You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Michigan. And in Michigan, if you lived in the Midwest, there was this amazing theme park. Anyone know what this theme park is? It is called Cedar Point. Anyone heard of this? Like 12 of you, I'm happy. You're my friends. And Cedar Point was the place to go for amusement parks. In the world that I grew up in. And one day I came home from school and my parents said, pack up tomorrow, we're going to Cedar Point, which was a really big deal. And so we drove to Cedar Point, it was about a day drive, and we got there at night, and we would have to stay the night and then wake up and then head to the park in the morning. Now, there's something special about Cedar Point when I'm 10 years old, and that something special is called the Millennium Force It was the first year that the Millennium Force, a massive roller coaster, was built. And here is what it looks like. I have a picture. Pretty awesome, right? This roller coaster, when it was built, was the tallest roller coaster in the world. This roller coaster, when it was built, was the second fastest roller coaster in the world. I checked. And then, the next day, I was going to ride the Millennium Force. It's a big deal, right? You're excited right now. And so I head off to bed in our hotel and I lay down. And I know the sooner you fall asleep, the sooner you wake up and the sooner you end up at the park and the sooner I end up on that awesome roller coaster right there. And so I lay down in bed and I close my eyes and I sit there. And I sit there, and I sit there, and I can't sleep at all. It was just too exciting. I could not sleep. In fact, I finally fell asleep at 5 o'clock in the morning, and our alarm went off at 6 o'clock in the morning because I was just so excited. Have you ever been in a moment where you are just really excited for something to happen and all the stuff that goes on? In us with that kind of anticipation. The excitement, the, the joy, the nerves, the anticipation, and, and it's all bundled together into this mess of an 11-year-old boy. And then the time comes and the thing we've been waiting for finally happens. And that feeling, you know that feeling too, don't you? It is a great Feeling, And I remember riding down the road in Sandusky, Ohio. It's an amazing city. Sandusky, Ohio. And there's water on both sides. And then we're looking and then suddenly looming over the horizon is the millennium force. And the excitement and the relief and all the feelings that come with it. It was a great, great feeling. Folks, this is what Christmas is all about. About that feeling, the fulfillment of our expectations. Christmas is about the fulfillment of our greatest expectation, is it not? Amen? That long awaited Messiah has finally come, and with it comes everlasting shalom, peace. You know, what is interesting is that the Jewish expectation of the day for the coming of this king didn't really match the coming of Jesus in in some ways. Jesus wasn't really what they were hoping to see because the Jews believed that the Messiah was for national fulfillment primarily. It was about them. The Messiah was going to get the Jewish people's land back. The Messiah was supposed to come and rid the Jewish people of the harsh, heavy yoke of the Roman Empire. The Messiah was supposed to be a strong warrior, a sword and a shield for his people. The Jews thought that the king, the Messiah, was going to bring peace, bring shalom to the land of Israel. But what they didn't expect was that God's plan was so much bigger than that. The coming king, the Messiah, was not interested in only the peace for Israel. But the king was coming to establish peace for the whole world. The whole cosmos Even the whole universe, the king was coming for that reason. You know, I love. Everyone's excitement in the birth narrative in Luke 2, which we heard from our three kids, and they did a wonderful job. And and it goes from shepherds uh, all the way to the heavenly host, the angels. Even the angels in our passage are celebrating and singing. And they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Even the angels in this passage are are partying when the king is born. Isn't that amazing? Because the good news of the birth of the true king, Jesus, is good news even to the heavenly host, even to the angels. Because this king was not meant to be king over Israel alone. This king was coming to be king over the whole universe, the whole cosmos, the whole world. You see, in the birth of Jesus, God was taking his throne back. God was reestablishing his royalty in this world as king over all of it. And through this new Jesus, God suddenly becomes king and peace begins to expand from horizon to horizon. And that, friends, is good news, is it not? Christmas is about God taking back the throne of our world through the Messiah, Jesus, the King, Jesus. And when God is king, there is peace for the whole world. And this means that you and me in our lives can find peace in this world in ways that we never could before. Amen? You know, some of us are here this morning, even on Christmas Morning, and you would look at your life and you would say, Yeah, definitely not peace. Peace does not make sense of my life at all. Some of us this morning are actually, even in this room this morning, are in great, great struggles. You know, some of us are trying to figure out how to negotiate holiday time with our kids, with our ex, and trying to make it all work, and it is a headache every single year. Some of us are literally trying to keep the heat on because there's just no more money. Some of us in this room have a smile plastered on our faces when you know you just got that diagnosis, and you're going to let no one know it. Some of us, especially in this season, on this day, have difficulty, don't we? For some of us, time with family is not a treat. For some of us, when we go to our family dinners where we're all together, it's not peace that we see, it's definitely chaos. And some of us have lost people during this year, during this holiday, And every year we come back to Christmas and all it does is bring back those memories, those feelings of loss. But you see, the birth of the king, the birth of Jesus is good news for you. Because God is providing peace for the whole world and that peace, ready for this, is also for you. It's for you. You know, in Luke 2, Joseph and Mary are in an incredibly difficult spot. There was a mandatory census that they had to attend to, and this meant that Joseph and Mary would need to do some traveling. They would need to travel from Nazareth uh, down to Bethlehem. But there was a big twist in the story, and you probably know this, right? Mary was pregnant in fact Mary was probably very pregnant Mary was likely in that window where the baby might come or might not come and you're just not sure and so to our eyes it seems you know this that journey doesn't seem too bad but it's a really big deal because to travel in the ancient world from Nazareth to Bethlehem is a long ways here is a map that's coming on the screen here in a minute and on this map, at the top is Nazareth, Nazareth, at the bottom is Bethlehem. And as you look at this map, it is about 60 miles from point to point, but you had to take different paths. So it took about 90 miles. It was 90 miles in the ancient world for this very pregnant woman to travel, to go down to Bethlehem to take care of her census obligations. There were no cars, there were no trains, maybe a mule or a donkey, or probably mostly just walking. And traveling, by the way, in the ancient world was not exactly a safe affair. Many people, if you were going to be robbed or murdered, it was going to be on the road as you You traveled. One was far more vulnerable traveling than in really any other part of life. And of course, at this time, the baby could be coming at any moment. And you know, I can't imagine how difficult this journey must have been. Now, I have three kids, and so I have seen my wife, her belly grow, and then a baby pop out three times now. It's Interesting. I don't know. I try to block some of it from my mind. But we've had this three times, and when my wife is between eight and nine months is the time where I feel the worst for her. And if you are a woman who has been pregnant, you know this. Like, there is no way that you can lay down and be comfortable or roll over and be comfortable or really stand and be comfortable or sit and be comfortable. You're really just miserable for, like, two whole months. And imagine being that miserable and then having to walk or ride on a donkey or sit on a wooden board on a cart for 90 miles. Can you imagine that? It must have been extraordinarily difficult. And then, the story doesn't end there, does it? After an incredible journey, Joseph and Mary, they pull into Bethlehem. And of course, they need to find a place for Mary to rest. They need shelter. Well, guess what? Everyone's headed to Bethlehem for the same reason Joseph is. And all the motel sixes in Bethlehem are full. No vacancy. And so out of desperation, they find a stable to duck into. And it is there that Mary has the baby. You know, I was recently in Israel... And we took a stop at a stable of the ancient world in a time when Jesus would have been born. And it didn't look like the video that we saw earlier. It looked a lot different. In fact, a stable was usually a cave either carved or naturally found in a rocky hillside that they would put rocks around so that the sheep or goats couldn't get out of. It was a dark, dank, gross, rocky Place. That's what a stable looked like. And so we're sitting in this stable, and we're supposed to take a seat, and we're listening to actually this very story. And we're sitting there, and I look around me in this small, gross stable. And there are, and I don't know how to say this, sheep and goats, things all over the ground, everywhere, like hundreds of them. It is just awful. And I stand up, and it's like all over me, and ah, get it off. It was bad. This Is the place where Jesus was born in a place like that? This is the stress and the chaos that Mary and Joseph needed to go through to get to their destination. And yet, despite all the chaos and hardship and struggle, they too could celebrate the coming of the King Jesus, the one who would bring peace to the whole world. Because they knew that with Jesus around, chaos would be dealt with in their lives, that peace Was coming. And you know what? That peace is coming to you and to me this morning as well. No matter what chaos we find in our lives, the birth of the King of the world means that chaos has a shelf life in your life and in my life. That's what this says. Peace is coming. And that means we need to celebrate. Amen? This is good news. And you know what? This peace for the whole world, it's not just for individuals. It's not just for me or for you. No, this peace for the whole world is for all people. You know, we only read one perspective of this story this morning, is what we did. We read Luke's perspective, and in Luke's story, he emphasizes the shepherds in the field, and the birth of the King Jesus was good news even for the shepherds in the field. But there is another perspective of this story in the Gospel of Matthew, and here's just a snippet of what Matthew says. He writes, After the Magi had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. To those who are living lives shepherding sheep and goats in the field, to those from far, far away places, the birth of King Jesus is good news for all of them. The shepherds return from their visit, and what are they doing? They're glorifying and they're praising God. The magi are overjoyed, and they bow down and they worship. The birth of Jesus is good news for all people, even the magi, who are from a far-off land, who are almost certainly not Jewish. This is the thing that the Jewish people of Jesus' day just couldn't understand. God is not only in the business of providing peace for his own people, but God is in the business of providing peace for all people, the whole world. And in fact, it's bigger even than this, because this peace for the whole world, it literally means for the whole world. I know, I'm shocking you right now. You know, in our passage... The heavenly host and the angels are glorifying and praising the amazing event, the birth of the king. And this is important because, you know, often when we think of Jesus coming, it's good for people. No, no, no. This is good for the whole cosmos, all of God's creation. This is good for. In fact, Paul writes later that even dirt and rocks and trees, and mud, even the earth itself is yearning for this King Jesus. Can you believe that? Listen to this. Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The birth of the King Jesus is good news for the whole world because when God is king, he brings an everlasting shalom, an everlasting peace to the whole world, the whole cosmos, everything. In the birth of the Savior, a peace project has begun by God and all chaos is going to be dealt with forever and it starts today. And so as we head off to our celebrations or rest or wherever we are at this morning and the rest of today, I'm going to encourage you to do something. You know, us pastors, we like to encourage you to do a lot of things, actually. It's part of the job. We really enjoy that. We like to get you... To really think about the gospel, to be transformed, to give your lives to Jesus. We encourage you to do all those things. We encourage you to go out of this building and to go into the world around you and to be kingdom builders in the world around you. We encourage you to feed the poor. We encourage you, but we don't encourage you to do this very often. Today, when we walk out of this place, I encourage you to party, to party. Because today is a day to party. The king has been born. Today, chaos has been given a pink slip. Today, the savior has been born. Amen. So let's pray. God, we are can't contain our excitement for this day. It is an unbelievable day. And God, we pray that no matter where we're at this morning, whether it's in hardship or celebration, God, we pray that you can give us joy because a peace is coming and it's here, God. And we are so thankful for that. We are thankful for the King Jesus who is here to become king of this world to provide everlasting shalom. And God, we yearn for it. And we pray that you can use us to bring it more and more every day. All in Jesus' name. Amen.